Compass Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. No funding yet. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Jennifer Koshenka. On this Wednesday, September 20th, glad you could join us. Here's what we have for you this hour. The Republican-led House has missed on a pair of opportunities to avoid a partial government shutdown at the end of the month. A hearing next week on the impeachment inquiry into President Biden. Meanwhile, Hunter Biden will plead not guilty to gun charges. People in San Francisco are urged to limit outdoor activity due to wildfire smoke. The city was the most polluted major city in the world last evening. And why it seems like everyone's going on strike under President Biden. It really does seem like since Biden took office, there's been all of this really high-profile labor activity, um, from the Starbucks negotiations to even just this week, obviously, UAW going on this big strike. Olivia Olander at Politico on the significant labor and management clashes for the man who calls himself the most pro-labor president ever. House Republicans have failed to pass a pair of spending bills thanks to intra-party disagreements. They're trying to fund the government and avert a partial shutdown at the end of the month. The House voted 214 to 212 to defeat a measure that would have opened debate on an $886 billion fiscal 2024 defense appropriations bill with five conservatives joining Democrats to oppose the GOP measure. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Every time we found a way, and you know what, getting there is never easy, but we're willing to listen to all voices, something much different. We're we're willing to build up from the bottom up. Meanwhile, a larger division within the Republican majority prevented lawmakers from agreeing on a short-term measure to keep federal agencies open after funding expires in 10 days. Even if House Republicans had been able to advance the defense bill or the short-term measure, either would face stiff opposition from Senate Democrats and from the White House, which has already threatened to veto the defense bill. Hunter Biden plans to plead not guilty to federal gun charges and also wants his initial court appearance to be held by video conference so he won't have to travel from Los Angeles to Delaware. More from this morning's Mike Gavin. The government is expected to respond today to the request for an appearance by video conference. That initial hearing has not yet been scheduled. The son of the president is charged with knowingly deceiving a firearms dealer when buying a gun five years ago by falsely filling out a federal firearms form denying he was addicted to drugs. A previous plea agreement in which he would avoid jail time fell apart. Meanwhile, congressional Republicans have attacked the charges against Hunter Biden as a sweetheart deal because his father is the president. Gordon. Thank you, Mike. Meanwhile, House Republicans are set to hold the first committee hearing a week from tomorrow on its impeachment inquiry against President Biden. The House Oversight Committee will explore constitutional and legal questions and also intends to subpoena personal and business bank records of Hunter Biden and James Biden, the president's brother. The United Auto Workers strike at three Ford, General Motors and Stellantis plants is hardly the only significant labor management clash under President Biden. After all, he's positioned himself as the most pro-labor president in history. Maybe it's not coincidental we're seeing the strikes. Here's Olivia Olander, labor reporter at Politico. Olivia, take us through it. A big part of that is just because, you know, Biden's branded himself as like a labor guy. So every time these unions want something, when they want to go on strike, when they you know, could possibly disrupt the economy, uh, people turn to Biden and say, what are you going to do about this? Okay, so the the timing for these different efforts, whether it's 
the United Auto Workers, as we're seeing now, or Hollywood, UPS, Starbucks, the timing is not coincidental. Well, um, I think a lot of it also has to do with kind of like the economic conditions and also during the pandemic, a lot of workers were getting fed up with their conditions, with how they were being being treated in their workplaces. Um, and then also, you know, that tight labor market, a lot of people, um, you know, were quitting because they realized they could find uh, better work elsewhere. So it's kind of this like confluence of factors. Um, and then it's all coming, obviously, under Biden, who, again, um, has, you know, branded himself as being very pro-union and put out um, support for some pro-labor policies. Um, so it's all kind of coming at once with this timing. And he said he has stepped carefully or the administration has stepped carefully so far with the United Auto Workers strike. Yeah, that's correct. So unlike, um, you know, something I looked at in this piece was the rail negotiations, and that's um, covered by a different law than um, auto negotiations because rail negotiations have uh, a potential to disrupt the economy in kind of a, a more major way. So um, with these auto negotiations, yeah, Biden has had to uh, be a little bit more careful with what he does because he doesn't have the same kind of legal authority to directly intervene. Um, but what we've kind of uh, found from our reporting is that his administration is still engaging a bit behind the scenes um, on both sides with the union and the companies. Uh, but, yeah, he can't kind of uh, step on it uh, and make a huge intervention in the same way that he could last year with those rails. Hmm. We're speaking with Olivia Olander, labor reporter at Politico. Her story is called Why It Seems Like Everyone's Going on Strike on Biden's Watch. Review uh, the Biden administration's role here with uh, UPS and the Teamsters. Yeah, um, that was an interesting one because the union president, Sean O'Brien, uh, basically told the president, uh, please, please stay out of it. We can handle it. He has this quote where he's like, from my neighborhood in Boston, if you saw two people in a fight and you weren't involved, you just walk along. And that's what they wanted from the Biden administration. And that is, for the most part, what they got. Um, they were able to come to a deal, uh, the UPS and the Teamsters Union, uh, that was able to get some raises for workers and a few other concessions for the union. Um, and that was uh, pretty much without Biden's intervention because uh, the parties didn't want him involved. Yeah. What about uh, with the Hollywood writers and actors? Yeah, so um, Biden's been a little bit more um, hands-off with this. Um, obviously, it's kind of a different situation than the big kind of supply chain meltdown crisis that we could see with um, the rails, possibly, um, and some of these other things, the Teamsters uh, and UPS. Uh, so he's kind of uh, just said, I support the right of all workers, including the actors, um, to strike and, um, you know, to get a fair living wage. Uh, but he hasn't kind of gotten uh, his hands in there in the same way um, as this has stretched on, you know, since May and July for uh, these unions. You said, too, it's been unusual because some cabinet members have actually shown up on the sites of these strikes to be supportive? Yeah, yeah, that is unusual. So um, in 2021, uh, there was this moment called Striketober. That's what the labor movement called it, um, where a bunch of different uh, companies went on strike. And during that period, um, the Agriculture Secretary, Tom Vilsack, he went to uh, support UAW workers actually separate from the current negotiations, but people striking at a John Deere facility. And also uh, Labor Secretary Marty Walsh, who was um, in office at the time, uh, went to support Kellogg workers in Pennsylvania. So, yeah, that was pretty unusual for them to get out there in the same way. Um, obviously, you know, we're not sure if we, we're going to see Biden do that um, with these UAW workers, but it's definitely um, something interesting to watch who gets involved. Wow. Touch on, too, uh, how the president and or the administration was involved with Starbucks and the Amazon unionization. 
Yeah, so um, with Starbucks and Amazon, you know, those folks are just kind of start, starting to want to get off the ground, unionizing their individual workplaces. Um, but Biden has, you know, kind of uh, acknowledged those efforts. He has uh, put the spotlight on them by uh, signaling his support in, like, a tweet and a video, uh, but he didn't necessarily exactly endorse that effort. It's very contentious. Um, and the administration also did host uh, organizers from Amazon and Starbucks in recent months. Thanks, Olivia. Olivia Olander, labor reporter at Politico. Meanwhile, the union representing Hollywood writers, the Writers Guild of America, will meet today with the major studio alliance as negotiations resume after a month-long hiatus. Cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid. Remember that? But getting older, I had to stay away from all that sugar and empty carbs. Now there's Magic Spoon, a cereal with all our childhood favorite flavors, but high in protein and with less sugar. Their variety pack of four flavors includes cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five net grams of carbs with only 140 calories per serving. It's high in protein, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. I love that cocoa flavor and drinking that chocolatey milk at the end. Go to magicspoon.com morning to grab a variety pack and try it today. Be sure to use our promo code morning at checkout to save five bucks off your order. Magic Spoon is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. Magicspoon.com morning and use the code morning to get $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Magicspoon.com morning. Thanks for being with us. Welcome into Wednesday. President Biden and Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky are trying again to rally world leaders to pressure Russia to end its war on Ukraine. Mr. Zelensky promoted Kyiv's principles for ending the conflict, which include the return of Ukrainian sovereignty over areas now occupied by Russia. The U.N. Security Council, where Russia has a permanent member, wields a veto, is unlikely to make progress towards ending the war during a high-level session later today. Moscow only sent its deputy ambassador to yesterday's meeting. Here's President Biden. If you allow Ukraine to be carved up, is the independence of any nation secure? I'd respectfully suggest the answer is no. We have to stand up to this naked aggression today and deter other would-be aggressors tomorrow. Some countries question whether the Biden administration's policies may be short-lived should former President Trump return for a second term. Tomorrow, Mr. Zelensky travels to Washington to visit Capitol Hill and the White House, seeking long-term sustainable support to limit Ukrainian casualties and help regain more territory. 20 minutes after the hour on This Morning, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. House Republican leaders are working to salvage a short-term spending bill that sparked angry disagreements among the party's rank and file, but they remain short of the support needed to pass the measure and show the party can unite to avert a government shutdown. A procedural motion to advance the legislation was canceled yesterday to allow more time for talks. And an afternoon measure related to advancing a full-year military appropriations bill failed after five Republicans voted against the rule. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's take on the dissenters. 
Put your ideas up. We are one body, the Senate is another body. If they have a different idea, put their idea up, and then let's go to conference and figure out the differences. Some House Republicans are infuriated by the continued impasse. Congressman Mike Simpson of Idaho says the GOP is being dragged around by 20 people with 200 others in agreement. Number two. The House Oversight Committee is set to hold the first hearing of its impeachment inquiry into President Biden next week and plans to issue a subpoena for bank records from two of the president's family members. Committee Chair James Comer called the hearing a refresher on the information he and fellow GOP lawmakers have gathered during the course of their investigation into foreign business dealings by Hunter Biden and James Biden, the president's brother. Number three. Police say the Chicago area family of four fatally shot, along with their three dogs over the weekend, was not killed in a random attack. Romeoville Deputy Chief Chris Byrne. We will continue to exhaust every possible resource available, and we will not rest until those responsible for this tragedy are brought to justice. Investigators continue to seek information from the public, including doorbell video. Police say they have ruled out murder-suicide. Authorities are scrambling to recover thousands of mink that were released from a Pennsylvania farm. State police say someone broke into a mink farm in Rockefeller Township over the weekend and cut holes in the fences. Game warden Mike Workman says anyone who comes across a loose mink should give it lots of space. Just stay away. Um, Don't touch it. Don't try to trap it. Don't try to catch it. Um, They will bite you. They can potentially hurt you. We want to make sure the public is safe. Between 6,000 and 8,000 mink were released from their enclosures. Man, they're like a foot, foot and a half long or whatever, but they're nasty apparently. Yes, I didn't realize that. They look mean too. They, they will come at you. Thank you, Jen. The new study by NerdWallet finds 70% of engaged Americans say they're facing money challenges during wedding planning, and 54% of engaged Americans don't agree with their partner on financial goals. Here to explain the disconnect is Kimberly Palmer, personal finance expert at NerdWallet. Kim, what do we have? Well, getting married is actually very financially stressful. As anyone who has gotten married knows, weddings are so expensive. And so they take a lot of effort to plan and budget for. And one challenge is that in a lot of cases, couples aren't exactly on the same page when it comes to what they want to spend money on, what they want to cut back on. So basically, anyone getting married has to sort through all of this. And it's quite a challenge. Sounds like failure to communicate. It is all about communication. I mean, really, the first step is to talk with your partner about what you really want, what you care about. For some people, it's going to mean scaling back on the number of people you invite. So you can spend more on the food per person, for example, whereas other people want a huge party and, you know, spend less on other things. You could get married on a weekday, for example, or you could DIY some of your decorations. There's all kinds Mm. of ways to save money. It's really all about what you want. I don't envy anybody who's getting married these days it just seems so expensive whether it's for the videographer or a dj the venue i mean plus i i presume like most couples maybe you're trying to save money for a house it just seems impossible i mean what do these folks do what, what, what how do they even begin this discussion Well, I think what you alluded to, the fact that people are also juggling other financial goals really gets at the core of what's so challenging. Because, for example, when you get married, you might also want to go on vacation or buy a home. And so you're juggling all of those priorities. And so it really starts with figuring out what is most important to you, because you might have to cut back on some things just so you can make some other dreams come true. We're speaking with Kim Palmer, personal finance expert at NerdWallet. She's got a survey, or the company has a survey. 
with regards to 70% of couples facing money challenges while planning a wedding. They're barely even off the ground yet as, a, as an official couple. Um, this one stat jumped out too, Kim. 54% of engaged Americans don't agree with their partner on financial goals. Yikes. It is pretty shocking, but it just speaks to the fact that really getting in sync about what you're most looking forward to and what you want to put money on in the first year of marriage and beyond, just talking about that up front. A lot of couples say that they wish they had more of those chats before actually walking down the aisle. So it can be really helpful to talk about money, talk about your priorities, just so you can get on that same page before you even have the wedding. And then that can also make the whole wedding budgeting process go a little more smoothly too. All right. So it sounds great in principle, right? Just communicate more, talk about it. But how do you begin the conversation sometimes about money? It's a tough subject. It is tough. And because it can be potentially awkward and uncomfortable, you really don't want to ambush someone by just bringing it up out of the blue. It can actually be helpful to let your partner know, hey, I want to talk about money. Let's have this conversation. How about we set aside time three o'clock on Saturday so everyone is mentally prepared? Because if it just you know comes up out of the blue at night, it can lead to more tension and even yeah. fights. And so planning ahead to have that talk even before you have it can help. Do we do we I presume we still do prenups these days? You know, prenups are such a personal issue, and of course it varies a lot. It's interesting, a lot of people's perspective on prenups and how we talk about money and whether or not even to combine money, combine accounts after marriage, really comes down to what you're bringing into the marriage. A lot of couples who are getting married at older ages now, they already are used to having that independence and having their own bank accounts, so it seems more of a surprise or they're more resistant to sharing accounts post-marriage. So it's so personal, and it really comes down to what you both want. Thanks, Kim. Kimberly Palmer, personal finance expert at NerdWallet. 30 minutes now after the hour on This Morning, America's First News. Did you know traditional bed sheets harbor as much bacteria as a toilet seat? No wonder we shower more lately. The germs in your sheets can cause acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and ailments so gross it's hard to believe. Those are fears, though, you can put to bed with Miracle Made bed sheets. Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics inspired by NASA that are thermoregulating to keep you at a perfect temperature all night. My wife and I have them. We love them. Miracle Made is self cleaning, self cooling, luxurious, eco friendly bedding designed to protect your skin for more restorative rest. Now, my listeners can have a clean night's sleep while saving over 40% and sleeping cool all summer and warm all winter. Visit TryMiracle.com Gordon to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% at checkout. Miracle Made is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit TryMiracle.com Gordon. Miracle Made bedding, NASA-inspired for out-of-this-world comfort. TryMiracle.com Gordon. Cutting through the clutter to bring you the people and stories that matter to you. You're listening to America's First News this morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for being with us. Welcome into Wednesday, September 20th. Gordon Deal, Jennifer Koshenka. Some of our top stories and headlines. Hunter Biden to plead not guilty to gun charges. A House committee next week holds its first hearing on the impeachment inquiry into President Biden. House Republicans fail to pass a stopgap funding bill. Attorney General Merrick Garland testifies today before a House committee. Officials in Texas say a man accused of killing 22 elderly women was murdered by his prison cellmate. Disney to spend $60 billion on its parks and cruise line over the next 10 years, and how to get motherly services at college for a fee. That story in about 20 minutes. 
The Federal Reserve concludes two days of meetings this afternoon. It's poised to leave interest rates unchanged, but this does not assure that we won't see another interest rate increase in the months ahead. Inflation pressures are easing, broadly speaking, but remain well above desired levels. In-depth analysis from Greg McBride, Chief Financial Analyst at Bankrate.com. Greg, expectations. Yeah, pretty clear signal, Gordon, that the Fed is going to leave interest rates unchanged at this meeting. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily that they're done raising interest rates. We may get another rate hike uh, later in the year uh, if, if conditions warrant. But, you know, a lot like driving in a world before GPS, where, you know, as you got closer to your destination, a place you'd never been before, you're like, is this this right turn? Is it the next one? You'd go a little bit slower, be a little bit more deliberate about where you made that turn. That's kind of where the Fed is at now with regard to interest rates. They're almost done. They're trying to find that right spot, that, that proper place uh, to turn off. All right. Inflation broadly has come down, but we did see a little uptick in August, correct? We did. And you can chalk that up to gasoline prices, oil and gasoline prices. And that in and of itself could be a trouble spot in the months ahead. I mean, we have seen broadly uh, the rate of inflation come down, which, by the way, doesn't mean prices coming down, just means prices not going up as fast. Uh, But the risk factor is that oil or gasoline prices, not only do they sap consumer spending power, but those higher prices could then spill over into other products and services. You think about everything we buy in a store or online has to be transported at some point. There are a number of service-oriented businesses that are very sensitive to higher fuel prices. And so a sustained high level of oil and gasoline prices could affect the pricing on other goods and services. That's just gonna be something we're gonna have to watch in the months to come in hopes that it doesn't derail uh, the otherwise Uh, positive trajectory we're on with regard to inflation. Has the Fed achieved a soft landing? Too early to say. I think the odds are certainly better now than they were three months or even six months ago. Uh, But, uh, you know, still still too early. I mean, I'd say it's, you know, a little like trying to call a no hitter in the fifth inning at this point. Um, You know, it's not only once the Fed is, is, is done raising rates, uh, but then it, there's there's a lag time before all that is fully reflected in the economy. We got to work our way through all that, I think, before we can feel comfortable in, in assessing whether or not they've pulled it off. Mm. We're speaking with Greg McBride, chief financial analyst at Bankrate.com. We're talking about the Fed might do with interest rates at its September meeting here. Um, how might the resumption of student loan payments affect things if at all here is that something the fed will be watching watching but not losing sleep over uh just from a macro perspective uh it, it it's not something that is much of a headwind to the economy now at the household level it could be a big deal if all of a sudden you've got a 250 or 300 dollar month payment to start making again you got to find room in that for the in the budget for that but in, in aggregate uh the resumption of student loan payments is less than 1% of consumer spending, more closer to half of 1% of consumer spending. Okay. So no, not a, not a major economic impact from it. Uh, there was a note um, that you had mentioned about uh, the savings rate, our personal savings rate. Yeah, well, one of the things that you, you and I talk about a lot in terms of what are consumer steps, one's pay down debt, the other one is boost savings. And I just wanna double click on that because 
uh, you're getting paid for that savings now in a way that you haven't been in 15 years, but you got to look in the right place. Uh, if you are putting your money into an online savings account, if you're looking at CDs, but you're shopping around to get the best deal, you're earning returns of 5% or better. Uh, and more importantly, that's above the rate of inflation. So you're getting paid, you're earning a, a, a return that has actual growth of your buying power. We haven't been able to say that in a long, long time. So that money you put in savings, it is not a drag on your portfolio. It is a very uh, vital contributor. Go back to the Fed for just a minute here. And I, I know we can't say for certain whether the Fed is done raising interest rates, but will it signal something like that? No, not at this point. And, and even if they do finish, they're not going to say that they're done because that in and of itself could loosen financial conditions and undermine some of what they're trying to do. So wow. I would expect them to kind of maintain this posture of, hey, we may have to. You never know. We might have to. Uh, I expect them to maintain that posture through the end of the year just in an effort to kind of preserve these tighter financial conditions that they're trying to engineer in order to reduce demand and, and get inflation lower. Thanks, Greg. Greg McBride, Chief Financial Analyst at Bankrate.com. Time now for the mic drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, we know eating out these days can often lead to sticker shock from the time the menu comes all the way through the paying of the bill. We've got a couple stories like that today, including someone who even called the police. More on that later, but we start in California, where a restaurant there is taking heat for their unusual tipping policy. A customer at this V Vietnamese restaurant in Cupertino posted their receipt of their bill on Reddit, which included an 18% gratuity charge automatically added, something typically done for larger parties, even though this person was dining solo. At the bottom of the bill, the restaurant explained that they automatically include the tip for all parties of one or more. Commenters to the post were universally not having it, especially as guilt tipping has become a hot topic recently. One user wrote that there's no better way of saying we do not pay our workers enough. Yeah. What? I mean, at least they explain it at the bottom of the bill, so you at least give them that. It wasn't. Uh, well, I mean, it's always a, I guess a surprise charge, but at least I guess you know they have to make sure that you understand the policy. But the policy yeah. is pretty crazy. Well, for parties of one or more. One or more. Yes. What other parties are there? Yeah, exactly. All that was just all parties. <laughs> yeah, you, that that's it. You're getting, you're getting charged a tip no matter what. One, yeah, I, I think that does speak to just we don't pay our workers enough if you have to do that yeah. for a party of one. Right. Well, I think that's what not only these kind of fees, but they talk about there's there's other types of fees that get added onto bills now, like uh, kitchen charges and yeah. wellness fees, they call them, and things like that. You know, all so that the restaurants don't have to raise the prices on their menu. Yeah. You know, to make it seem like that their their food's a little cheaper than it actually is. I must say, it's been a while now since, since we've been out. Yeah. We'll order, like, pizza for delivery or go pick it up but chinese pick up still. okay yes for sure for <laughs> sure for me i mean don't, don't tell me that you've stopped doing that no no i mean the rest of the family gets pizza i'll sometimes you know mm -hmm. go the chinese route of course but but sitting out like just hasn't been a thing lately no for whatever reason i, I, I don't know you don't necessarily always have patience for that either especially if the service is slow or maybe you yeah. know, I've, I've grown to know you a little bit over these years just a cheapskate that's the bottom line <laughs> that's also it yes <laughs> and uh, eating on vacation is always expensive especially when you're dining in a foreign country and may not be familiar with the local customs or be able to read the menu clearly even so one tourist was so mad after being charged nearly 700 dollars for one meal they called the cops this incident took place at a seafood restaurant in singapore 
Singapore, where a woman visiting from Japan says she took her waiter's advice and ordered the eatery's signature Alaskan king crab chili dish. She says she was told it was $30 in Singapore dollars, but that was actually the price per 100 grams. So when the massive 7.5-pound dish arrived, it was too much food for her and her table, and she was stuck with the bill, which was just under 700 American dollars. The woman was so outraged that she called the police and the Singapore Tourism Board. The restaurant claimed that the woman knew what she was getting into, having shown her the massive crab before preparing it. Eventually, the restaurant offered the customer a $100 discount on the bill. Whoa. So that means she was still in for, you know, 600 yeah. bucks. <laughs> uh, that would be alarming. Yeah, that's that's not a good night. I don't care how yeah. good the crab was. Wow. So speaking of Singapore, that's, that's my new favorite Chinese food dish. Oh, okay. Singapore May Fun. All right. It's got like the, the curry spices in there. And that uh, that May Fun noodle is the rice noodle, not the flour noodle. Oh, okay, it's the little skinny one. But uh, yeah, not Highly costing recommend. you not costing you seven hundred dollars. No, uh, most likely closer to the seven dollar yeah, range. Yes, in this case. just the way you like it. Thanks, Mike. We don't take sides. We deliver the information you need to start your day. You're listening to America's First News this morning with Gordon Deal. Glad you're with us. If your main fitness goal is weight loss, you may want to consider the time of day you're exercising. A new study published yesterday in the journal Obesity says exercising between 7 a.m. and 9 a.m. has been associated with having a lower waist circumference and body mass index than people who work out during midday or evening. Findings regarding the best time to exercise to shed pounds have been mixed, so the authors of the latest study looked into what influence doing activity at different hours might have on the relationship between exercise and obesity. One expert not involved in the study told CNN that people who exercise regularly in the morning could have more predictable schedules. Predictable schedules could have other advantageous effects on weight that were not measured in the study, such as with sleep length or sleep quality and stress levels. Eight minutes now in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. President Biden and Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky called on their counterparts to defend the idea that powerful nations can't seize territory from their neighbors, part of an appeal aimed at isolating Russia on the world stage. Before the UN General Assembly yesterday, Zelensky accused Russia of using food and energy as a weapon in ways that hurt the countries represented in New York this week. Many seats in the General Assembly Hall may become empty. Empty if Russia succeeds with its treachery and aggression. Biden urged world leaders not to abandon Ukraine, warning that Russia is pinning its hopes on other nations growing weary of the fight. Number two. The two people arrested in the drug death of a one-year-old at a daycare facility in New York City are now facing federal charges because of the amount of drugs found. Three other children were hospitalized after being exposed to fentanyl that was allegedly being processed at the site in the Bronx. U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York, Damian Williams. We allege that the defendants poisoned four babies and killed one of them because they were running a drug operation from a daycare center. Authorities say they found enough fentanyl to kill 500,000 people. Number three. Fed officials are set to hold interest rates steady at their meeting today while debating what it would take for them to lift borrowing costs again this year. Their anticipated decision would mark the second time in six policy meetings this year. The Fed hasn't raised rates, slowing the pace of increases to allow more time to study their effect on the economy. The conservative advocate who successfully challenged affirmative action in college admissions is suing the military academy at West Point, 
arguing that race-conscious admissions policies at the military's higher education institute violate the Constitution. Students for Fair Admissions filed suit in New York federal court. A signed piece by famed painter Bob Ross for the first episode of his popular TV show, The Joy of Painting, has sold for $9.8 million at an auction house in Minneapolis. The oil-on-canvas painting titled A Walk in the Woods was created in 1983. At the start of the late artist's illustrious public TV career, the painting was described by the auction house as the most historically significant Bob Ross original painting ever created. 28 years after he died. Mm-hmm. Man. Thank you, Jen. If your kid attending college far away needs attention from mom, the Wall Street Journal says you can hire motherly services. At $450 a year, Mindy Horwitz performs some of the same duties students would expect from their own mother, like finding a sport coat for a student at the last minute who needed one the next morning. She services students at Washington University in St. Louis, Northwestern, Skidmore, University of Hartford. The businesses grew more popular after the pandemic made it difficult for many parents to reach their kids at far-flung campuses. Among the services, accompanying college-aged children to doctor's appointments. Concierge Services for Students, based in Boston, charges $10,000 for the academic year. Each kid has access to as many as five women, collectively referred to as their second mom. Rochelle Arnold, owner of Daisy Bug Delivery, helps students at the University of Tampa. She uses her house to receive their packages, 25 bucks for same-day delivery. That'll do it for this hour. For Jennifer Koshenka and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.